This is exactly right. I always tell them I don't claim to know what you're going through because what you're going through is very different today than what I went through. And our teens want us to listen in order to validate and sympathize with them. It's our job to listen openly and help them when asked. You know, obviously, as parents, there are some times when we do have to step in, of course. But when it comes to mental health, especially, giving them this sort of equal footing in the conversation is really, really important. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I am Dr. Dan, your host, and let me tell you about our mission. It is to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. We believe the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives, happiness, health, and engagement. We firmly believe that awareness is the foundation for your vision of successful parenting And with increased awareness and intention, we can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint on our children. Today's show is called Helping Teens Connect with our guest, Jenny Olson. And let me tell you a little bit about Jenny. Jenny is the director of Mentis Prevention Division, which offers wellness programs for people of all ages living in Napa County. Prior to joining the Mentis team, Jenny founded Teens Connect with a mission to equip middle and high schoolers with tools to manage their stress and learn resilience, provide safe places and people with whom to connect, and give youth a voice in their community. Jenny's known for her trademark combination of empathy, enthusiasm, and tenacity. She's able to start conversations to bring people together, find solutions that contribute to true systemic change. And as a result, she's received numerous awards, including Leadership Napa Valley, John Wagon Connect Memorial Leadership Award, and named Bill, Senator Bill Dodd's Community Champion. When she finds time for herself, she feeds her soul on hiking or mountain bike trails, or kayak reading, or with her family. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Dan. Let's start with, I, I think, a very powerful story which I, I, I left out of the bio on purpose so you can talk about it, of your, pre, your, your career before um, doing this important work and um, what led you from being a graphic designer to doing the important work you do now? Uh, okay, well, this is, it is a fun story because I actually was trained, went to college and had my own business, um, a graphic design business in Napa County for 20 years, a successful graphic design business. And I loved designing. I loved my clients. There was nothing wrong with my career. But when my son was in middle school, I have two boys. They're now 21 and 23. When my younger son was in middle school, I helped him start a club called Be the Change. And we engaged his friends and his peers and volunteer work in our community and abroad. We went on service trips to, you know, five or six different countries. And this club grew into a bigger community effort. So many people, uh, our young teens were inspired and felt connected to the work and engaging in projects that helped others gave our teens purpose and meaning. 
So, you know, everything was fine. I was running my graphic design business and working with teens on the side. And then in 2016, we lost two teens in Napa to suicide. One was an eighth grade boy and one was a 10th grade boy. And so I, of course, it just floored our community. And, you know, people were were trying to figure out what to do to help our teens. You know, at the same time, nationally, the data was showing that teen suicides were on the rise. And, you know, youth were struggling with mental health issues from depression, anxiety, um, you know, stress, suicide ideation. And I thought, is anybody asking our teens what's going on? So I sat down with my group, they were in high school at the time, and opened up the conversation about mental health. And it turned out that all of them were struggling in some sense, and they weren't talking to anybody about what was going on. So I realized that our teens needed more safe spaces to have these conversations with their peers and with safe adults. And within a year, I gave up my design business and founded Teens Connect. I mean, that is, that is quite a transition. Right. I mean, obviously, obviously yes. <laughs> a very passionate uh, mission driven. I mean, but to d- was there any trepidation or was it just you knew you needed to do this? You know, I I knew I needed to do it. And I, I'm I'm very spiritual. So I meditated. I went into the mountains and I, I just really felt into this calling. I, I truly felt like I had a calling. And, it, you know, what's really interesting is at, with a design background, I feel like I'm still designing you know, my, 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 um, emergencies used to be fonts and colors. And now there are teens who are at risk of suicide. So it's a little bit different, a little, a little different, a lot more yeah. serious, Yeah. but I, I'm still, I'm designing programs. And I, 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 I think I was really good as a designer at listening to my clients to really help them build their brand. And so now I'm listening to the community. I'm listening to our youth and designing programs that they are asking for and needing. So there's a lot of similarity in the two careers. Mm-hmm. And then how did, so when, when you, f- from groups to team connect from full business, w- mm-hmm. what, what was the, what was the expansion there? So early on, I, I started scheduling what we now call wellness cafes with groups of teens, both middle and high school on school campuses, because my, my kids and I was already involved in working with teens. I had a lot of connections in the school and also the local boys and girls club. And so I started holding wellness cafes and opening up the conversation. And it was really simple. Our formula is really similar today as when we first started four years ago. Ask the teens, what's going on in your life? What are you struggling with? What are the sources of your stress and anxiety and depression? Holding that conversation in a group and then really diving into teaching the teens how they can manage their mental health, tools for self-care, and then connecting them to resources at their school camp on their school campus and in the community. Early on, I we partnered with Mentis, and that's where the excite, exciting part for me is that I, I knew that um, I had this gift in listening to teens and facilitating conversations, but I'm not a therapist. And I knew that there was a percentage of our students and our young people that would need professional mental health mm-hmm. support. And so I approached Rob Weiss, the executive director of Mentis, and asked if he would partner with me to offer a range of services from prevention to mental health treatment at no cost to our students. That was really important to me that this, this, all our programs were affordable, free, mm-hmm. and accessible. So he said, absolutely, let's do it. And we approached funders. We got some funding to start at two school campuses. And we've grown in four years to now being on 
12 school campuses um, in in the, our local district and then beyond across Napa Valley. That's awesome. Awesome. You know, I have, um, you know, going through uh, your articles and um, information about your program, I want to read a few quotes um, that you quoted okay. to... Um, mm-hmm. You know, to tell to tell the people, tell the world, like what what you're hearing, what what these what our teens are dealing with. Um, mm-hmm. So here's one: I wish I had an outlet for my anxiety. Another: I hide in the bedroom at school. Or excuse me, I hide in the bathroom at school when I'm having a panic attack. I don't have anyone to talk to. I just want to find that one person. I have no love. I am alone. I don't want to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, just just reading those, um, you know, it, it's it's like the the depth of um, feeling and despair that so many are going through, and um, you know, for you know, for the audience, from, from wherever anyone's going to listen to this, you know, we we are in. Um, the pandemic, which is making all of this worse. However, this is was all present before the pandemic. Right, right. And so to bring this, like, you know, to bring these kids together, um, you know, actually, I wonder, did you have any opposition or concern from people in the community? Or was it all... You know, like we don't want everyone talking about, you know, all of these bad things. They'll just kind of, they'll give each other ideas. You know, there's that right. fear that, you know, the, like the copy, the suicidal copy model, right. you know, I mean, we do know right. it tends to happen after. So there's a lot of fear from the adult side of things about, well, should we talk about this or should we, you know, or does that make it worse? I did have some of that, you know, early on, I also brought in suicide prevention trainings for my youth and for adults in our community, there's a bigger effort. <clears throat> I'm part of the Napa Valley Suicide Prevention Council. So there's a bigger effort in our community to address suicide. And a lot of the messages that come from these trainings, these evidence-based trainings, you know, describe how talking about suicide won't make somebody suicidal. It actually is needed and necessary to help somebody through a crisis. So there was a lot of community work going on through all of our local agencies and councils and collectives we live in a beautiful community of collaboration. And so, you know, when questions like that came up, I always had evidence to prove that that's not, that wasn't true, you know, because again, I'm not an expert, but partnering with Mentis and, you know, learning more about suicide prevention, I was able to share why that that's not true. Another thing that parents would sometimes ask me when I, when I do presentations, why are our kids struggling so much? They have everything they need. We live in Napa, you know, for, crying out loud. <laughs> like, and, yeah. and, you know, and, and the evidence is what our teens are telling us. You know, I, I don't have all the answers to why they're struggling, but look at what they're saying. We need to listen to them and validate them, right? Mm-hmm. They are feeling this. It's, they're not making it up. For sure. And, um, you know, a few things that, that makes me think of Jenny is one is having um, spent a lot of time working in the Napa Valley over the years. I also know people on the outside think of, you know, the beautiful wine country and grapes and vineyards. And that is all true. And first of all, Napa is a very uh, diverse community that is much more than the beautiful hills and vineyards and wineries. Right. Um, you know, people right. of 
all types um, and demographics and socioeconomic um, situations. And then the other thing I, I want to say is um, the, the price of privilege. Uh, Madeline Levine wrote a book um, years ago, which is still a bestseller, um, out of a psychologist in Marin that many people know of. And, you know, these were people that she focused on as, you know, the quote, most privileged were suffering at or more than people in the impoverished um, um, socioeconomic status. And this is not to say, this is not a comment or judgment on any of that, except to say that, you know, everyone suffers and often just for similar and even for different reasons in different circumstances. Right. It's so true. It's so true. And we have, like, as you said, that range of demographics in Napa, we have a pretty diverse community. And I, you know, I hear, it's interesting because I hear similar themes in all our youth, but then for each sort of um, demographic, there are layers of, of stress and anxiety and depression and also stigma, right? There are layers of stigma, especially in our Latinx community. Um, a lot of the older Latinx adults, the parents I hear from my teens, don't understand how important it is to talk about mental health, right? They just think, you know, just work harder, get through it. You know, you'll, you know, just push through. And so, and then in, you know, in our Asian community, there are stig there's stigma as well. And there's a lot of pressure and, you know, academically. So there's, there's different layers to our community mental health. For sure. And, and I guess the message is, one of the messages is every, like, no matter what people look like on the outside, um, have or have not, every human has the uh, propensity to feel alone, to get depressed, to be anxious, to be traumatized by terrible situations. Like, no, none of us are immune to those human experiences. Right. And, you know, we're in this global pandemic and then Napa Valley has suffered with wildfires for many years now. Mm -hmm. So there's many, many layers that are added on mm -hmm. to the trauma mm -hmm. that our community is feeling experiencing. Mm -hmm. yeah. So tell us about some of the core like tenets, tenets of, you know, of your program and your philosophy on on connection. So the most important aspect of my work is that I put the teens first. I empower our youth to continue to inform us what they need, what they're connecting with. Early on, when I formed Teens Connect, we put together a teen council, and it was my son and his friends, the ones who were involved in the volunteer work in the community. I sort of, you know made them <laughs> help me. My son really helped. He really facilitated by bringing in his friends and forming this group. We just met at my house. We worked on art projects We and volunteer projects. We checked in uh, about our mental health and talked and we planned activities related to mental health and wellness. And it's really interesting because early on, as I said, I sort of made these teens just come along with me in this on this journey. But then over the years, our teen council has grown and we now have an application process because so many teens want to be involved in our work. <laughs> so, you know, we currently have 28 teen council members. They are super diverse. Uh, they really represent the community of youth in Napa Valley. They come from all our local high schools and our community college. So they're really the ones doing the boots on the ground work. They're breaking the stigma in their peer community. And honestly, I just facilitate and then I try and get out of the way and let them do the work. 
And then what do you see? Like what unfolds? I, I mean, I imagine the process is different. I mean, knowing from doing some of this um, work as well, like there's things that you see in groups and then and in, in individual relationships. And then there are things that no matter how long you do the work, you're just blown away by the power of, of connection and empathy and compassion from one person to another. Absolutely. You know, they, they inspire their peers to not only do their own work and check in and talk about mental health, they inspire their peers to get involved in volunteer efforts and civic engagement opportunities. So many of our young people are activists. And so there has been a lot of opportunity this past year, especially with, you know, the political climate and Black Lives Matter to get involved civically. And we're, we have, you know, it's interesting. We have, it's hard to keep up with them. Like you're saying, there's so much inspiration that comes from them and it just continues to inspire me to build and design programs and help them amplify their voice, give them opportunities to share with our community. So we have two things coming up that we're inspired by our teens. One is we're doing a round table uh, virtually for black, um, black history month and with eight of our local black youth And they are sharing what it's like growing up black in Napa, which, you know, there's not a lot of black people in Napa. So they have a unique experience that only they have. And we want them, we want to facilitate this conversation with our community. Uh, We also have another uh, sort of roundtable panel discussion coming up in March with, um, in partnership with LGBTQ Connection, which is one of our amazing local organizations. And we're calling it Dear Napa, what your teens want you to know. And it's our teens sharing with adults, mostly parents, what it's like to be a teen, because they want parents to know, you know, they they may not talk to their own parents, a lot of teens, you know, as you know, are developing their autonomy and trying to form their own identity. And so they may not they may be a little private with their own parents, which of course, has been really hard this past year in the pandemic, right? Because so many of us are stuck at home. Mm-hmm. But they're willing to share with adults and parents in general. So I think that that's what inspires me most is their ideas because they don't want to they don't want to just feel their feelings on, on their own. They want to share. They want to connect. They want to inspire their friends to open up and and get connected, connect with others, and also um, you know share share their voice and continue to break the stigma one one other thing i'll mention really quickly is that before the pandemic we had a program where we were working with one of our local senior assisted living um mm-hmm. you know or mm-hmm. facilities and and our teams were working with residents in the memory care unit designing music playlists and then connecting with the seniors around music and so Initially, the program was, you know, design these playlists, find out what what the seniors, what kind of music they like, design their playlist, and hand them this this you know device that you've uploaded this playlist onto. What I didn't realize what happened was the teens then continue to go back on a weekly basis and just listen to music and sing with their new friends because they felt such a connection with these older adults. This cross generational connection was so powerful. So we're now with Mentis, our Mentis therapists, we're designing a program called Phone Pals, and that's just, it's in the early stages, so that name might change, where we connect seniors with teens one-on-one, and they develop these relationships, because seniors, just like our teens, older adults, just like our teens are feeling tremendous social isolation because of the pandemic. So how how about we connect those two communities? That's And that was an idea. 
Yeah, it was all inspired by our youth. You know, they're just creative, incredible. The innovative, creative. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, God, I have so many thoughts here. So let me like pick my order. Uh, first, okay. something that you just said um, a, a minute or two back uh, about youth telling um, the community and telling parents, you know, what life is like for them being a teenager these days. And you know what? That is so important. And if we all have to think about when we were growing up, we most of us felt that we were kind of, we were with it we knew what was going on and our parents were more and more kind of outdated and living in their own past than our present and guess what most of us are in now the same boat our parents of teens and um and young adults you know we tr- you try to stay up some parents try to stay up try to stay hip and some are you know more into that than others but it is a completely different world. And it's, I feel like the message, just in terms of my, um, my process with this, having kids that are just a, a sh- tad younger than yours, Jenny, but close, is, mm-hmm. um, is God just coming to the realization of, yeah, things are really different. And there's a lot we don't know. There's a lot we don't know about pressures. My wife and I always talk about is like, thank goodness we didn't live through social media. Like, thank goodness. Oh, no kidding. You know? <laughs> um, and it's like, we... Oh, so I just want... Like, it's so important, parents, to take the perspective of listening and trying to find out and step aside from, uh, well, when I was growing up. You know, it's just so right. hard to do. I mean, those, me- those messages and those stories are important. But they many just don't apply to the current demands, even without a pandemic. The demands of growing up these days for teens. Absolutely, and I tell my teens all the time. You know, I really struggled when I was a teen. Um, I had major depression. I still have depression. I I've learned how to manage it over time. But I I always tell them I don't I don't um, claim to know what you're going through because what you're going through is very different today than what I went through. And as I was a teen and and all of us are individuals as well. And our teens don't want us to listen to them to solve their problems unless they're at, we're asked. They want us to listen in order to validate and sympathize with them. You know, they want to be seen and heard in the moment and where they are. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, it's our job to listen, you know, openly and um, help them when asked you know, obviously, as parents, there are yeah. some times when we do have to step in, of course. But when it comes to mental health, especially, you know, giving them that the platform, giving them this sort of, um, you know, equal footing in the conversation is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so, two things, uh, two thoughts that come to me. One of uh, in my training. Uh, as a therapist, I remember learning years ago the best thing that you can. Um, tell a parent to say, and then of course I got to do mm-hmm. this as a parent myself, is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. right? Like, don't <laughs> right. ask a stupid question that's going to shut the conversation down. And then I also think of uh, Kelly Corgan, who many people know as a, uh, a very well-known local author, podcaster, great writer. Um, uh-huh. You know, tell me more. Her thing is always like, hmm. She's right. learned to say, tell me more. And it's like, you're right. Like, how do we get kids, teens, youth, people, talking instead of keeping it all inside. And what you found is the power of teens talking to teens rather than just adults. Right. Right. 
Absolutely. And then giving them, though, the resources, the connection to resources when needed, whether mm -hmm. it's a suicide crisis or somebody who needs to talk to a therapist or somebody who needs help academically. There's so many layers to what our teens need. And and we've also, you know, I, I want to talk about Mentis and our overall vision at, at some point, but we have on the Mentis website now a youth resource database that lists all the agencies and organizations available in Napa Valley for in Napa County for teens to connect to volunteer opportunities, get involved in, you know, civic engagement, um, get help when needed, crisis resources. So our teens are trained in suicide prevention, and then they also know how to connect their friends and peers to resources when needed. And those trusted adults yeah. that, that want to help and, and, and that aren't necessarily their parent, because I feel like every teen needs at least one other adult that's not their parent that they mm -hmm. can trust and talk to. Mm -hmm. And I made sure my kids had that when they were younger, you know, as well. And it's, it's hard as a parent to know that you can't be everything for your, for your teen like you used to be when they were smaller. But it's so important, again, for their development. So important. Um, before we move into talking broader about your programs, I, the other point I wanted to loop back to was the importance of uh, purpose and meaning um, is, mm -hmm. is something that runs through um, what you aim to do and, and how important that is for a teen, actually anyone, a particular teen, yeah. to feel connected. So tell us a little bit more about that. So absolutely, you know, helping teens find purpose and meaning, especially now during the pandemic, is so important because it gives them, it instills that hope. It gives them something to focus on. It, it takes them out of their sort of uh, sometimes self-absorbed brains and minds and also is something aside from you know different from academics right they're so focused on academics so many of our teens are trying so hard to do everything possible to get into quote unquote the best college right because that's something that they they've been hearing since they were young and and I've been guilty of you know pushing my kid not pushing my kids maybe pushing my kids but <laughs> helping them do what it takes and you know, so they'll look good on a college application. And one of my teens went to, one of my kids went to a four-year college and one didn't, and they're both, you know, thriving adults at this point. So, you know, it, it can be simple as helping them find a hobby or a passion. You know, I, so many of my teens now, I have a bunch of teens that have gotten into houseplants and their houseplants are bringing them so much joy, right? Or they're learning how to sew or paint, doing more art, learning how to cook or build things. You know, it could also be getting involved in something you know, some volunteer effort or social cause. And a lot of this is happening online now, right? And there's local causes, there's global causes, there's so many things to get involved in. Um, starting to journal, practice yoga, go hiking, you know, getting outside is super healing. I know Dan, Dr. Dan, you're a runner, I'm a hiker. And I have to get on the trail a couple times a week or else my mental health suffers, you know, and totally, I always totally. share, yeah. oh, it's so important. I share when we always have these conversations at all of our wellness cafes with, with youth at the schools, we have a conversation about self-care. What do you do that makes you feel good? Let's not talk about what people are telling you you should be doing. What do you do to, that makes you feel good, right? That's your self-care. So I always share that my favorite form of self-care is simply putting my feet in the grass. So if I don't have time to get out for a hike or, or go for a kayak, I take my shoes off and I go put my feet in the grass for two minutes and it just grounds me and makes me feel better. And this is an idea that came from my therapist many years ago 
to help me ground and I still use it, you know? And so I working with Mentis is so great because I've learned a lot of tools from therapists that I sprinkle into our prevention work and our wellness work at the schools um, related to anxiety reduction and self-care. So, but helping teens find purpose and meaning is, is so important. And again, it can be daunting because your, your teen may not want to hear from you what you think they should be doing, Mm -hmm. but just looking for those connections or there's other adults or listening and finding out who they're talking about, what they're talking about may help you guide them to something to find that meaning and that purpose. Absolutely. And it also makes me think about, um, just in my parenting journey, how the things that you think will be meaningful and the opportunities you Mm -hmm. think will be good for your uh, kids, they don't always click and they don't always think so. And then they come up with ideas that was not were not on your radar and that you would be like um you know but it's it's how you keep an open mind because it's right. really about connection we hear so many times parents saying um like you know my child like they she, he or she doesn't care about anything and it what ends up happening is like they're not caring about anything they're quote supposed to be caring about but they actually have other things they care about that we're just not prioritizing so I think we really have to like w- open ourselves up. Um, and this is where it gets, you know, be okay with the discomfort and the uncertainty mm-hmm. and, and maybe not being completely mainstream to see what is your child willing to connect with or connect in and how then we then support that. Absolutely. L- letting them lead, getting out of the way and letting them lead, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so tell us about tell us more about Mentis and all of your programs and what you guys have planned. Okay, so it's really exciting because you know we partnered with Mentis as I mentioned earlier, early on in the inception of Teens Connect, and as we built our programs, I realized Rob and I both realized how crucial and important this continuum of care was to our community. Right, having the safety net of prevention programs in the community to um, empower our neighbors to really step up and live the lives they want to live. And then, you know, all the way through treatment and mental health care for those who need it. So shortly after the pandemic started, we, Rob and I entered into a serious conversation about merging and it made sense. The time was right. By reducing uh, overhead, by combining forces and agencies, we've really been able to expand our prevention services and connect more people in our community to prevention programs and mental health support. And of course, as you know, now it's more important than ever um, to, to provide accessible and affordable mental health care. Mentis is Napa's oldest nonprofit, and a lot of people don't know that, but it's been around for over 70 years, and we've been providing bilingual, affordable mental health services to people of every stage, every income level, every age. So as we are growing our youth programs at Mentis under the new prevention division, we are also starting to add prevention and educational programs for adults. Um, Parents, first of all, as that's an easy extension of our work with teens, as you know, Dan, Dr. Dan, I hope you still remember, you <laughs> you offered three webinars to our community several weeks ago yes, in Napa, yes. and they were so successful. You had a two-part series for therapists about working with teens around anxiety and mental health, uh, mental health care, and then you offered a webinar for parents and a webinar for educators. So as we're looking at community prevention and wellness in a holistic way, we are looking at everyone for their own personal self-care and wellness, but also 
you know, for our teen programs, how, who comes in contact with our youth? Who's part of the the greater village, right? The village of, um, of mental health care for our young people. So we're offering parent, parent education opportunities, parent support groups on zoom. We had dance, Dr. Dan Siegel present to us last fall. Um, another amazing therapist, uh, psychiatrist. We have a wonderful program for older adults through Mentis. As I mentioned, we're working on the Phone Pals project to connect teens with our older adults. Um, our long-term goals will include prevention programs for people of all ages to match our, our mental health care for people of all ages. We are absolutely committed to overall community wellness at Mentis. That's just, it's, that's huge. It's huge, right? Because so Mentis for, for the locals listening, Mentis, um, back when I collaborated with Mentis years ago was family service of the North Bay. And that's where Rob and I met. And, um, Rob is obviously a, not only a wonderful clinician, but, um, an amazing director. Um, and he's the, the organization has, has grown, um, from so many, so many mental health services, substance abuse services, and now of course with prevention. And this is the whole continuum that you're talking about. It's like, Mm -hmm. why wait? We don't want to wait for people to be in an acute crisis. We want to, um, as you say, give them the tools and the skills, um, before, to build this resiliency and and to know what to do when when things do get too tough. Right, right. So you know, our we have uh, for our youth programs, we have both in school and in community um, curriculums happening or programs happening at the middle and high schools. We offer wellness cafes where we open up the conversation about mental health and wellness. And this is what we what you know I started Teens Connect on this this premise and they're still going strong. We always have a social worker or a counselor or one of our mentis therapists at our wellness cafes to share about what resources are available for those who need it. But we also help connect our youth to, you know, um, to community support. And that's where our community programs come in. Currently we're offering weekly teen happy hours on zoom every Tuesday night. And, you know, anyone's welcome. We do really fun things. We, um, you know, we have art projects, we bring in yoga and mindfulness teachers, we play games. Last night, we made cards for um, seniors at, at the local memory care unit. And while we were all making our own cards, we had fun, like this or that questions that we just went around popcorn style and answered. So there was conversation happening at the same time as us doing art. So they were weaving in art, which is very therapeutical. Um, you know, therapeutic. <laughs> I don't know if therapeutic is the word. Um, I'm that's still a good, learning that's a good word. Terms. That's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You can use it. I'll give you permission to Thank use that. Thank you. I will. <laughs> uh, and we were also, we're also giving back, right? We're making cards that will help our isolated seniors feel good. And we're checking in about our wellness, right? In a fun, easy way with these questions. We also uh, have workshops that we bring in experts, local ex- experts. We've had, you know, our local agencies come in and talk about LGBTQ inclusion, healthy relationships, and when to recognize the signs of unhealthy behaviors in relationships. One of our most popular workshops is called Ask a Therapist, where our mentis therapists come in and we have usually a theme. Usually it's related to anxiety because that's what a lot of our teens are struggling with. And they share about you know coping tools that the teens can take away and they always open it up. It's very interactive for our teens to ask questions to the therapist. It's amazing because it, it makes therapy approachable, right? Therapists are human beings. They're compassionate. They're warm. A lot of teens, especially ones who may have grown up with stigma around mental health, 
are, fa- are afraid to go to therapy. So, so once we break that fear and work on that fear, they're more willing to seek help when needed. So then we always know, you know, provide resources for the teens, for the ones who do need and want to seek therapy, you know, and our therapy at the school sites, we have therapists at 10 Napa Valley Unified School District school sites, middle and high schools, absolutely free and accessible. No insurance barriers. When we're not in a pandemic, they are on the school campus. So there's no transportation barriers. Right now, everything is happening on teletherapy, of course, but our our youth and our community as a whole, it's still responding to teletherapy. So it's something that we're even in discussion about, you know, how do we continue offering teletherapy for those who'd rather access therapy that way than in person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there are some silver linings with this, with this pandemic, you know, a lot of teens, our teen council is countywide. And it used to be when we'd meet in person, our kids up in St. Helena or down in American Canyon had a hard time coming to meetings. Now we're meeting on zoom. They can, anyone can come and we have teens from other communities, you know, counties coming to our teen happy hours. So it's pretty cool that there are ways that we're connecting with teens that we didn't connect that we, you know, weren't doing before. And that is the silver lining, you know, in this pandemic for, I mean, walls have, have gone down, borders have gone down, geography um, is has opened up because of the now the validity and the effectiveness of connecting virtually. Uh, so Absolutely. It, it's, that's wonderful. And, um, and that's another thing that um, I think parents are... Have have had to embrace was before the pandemic is you know kids connecting online through social media through video chat and and us saying like you know what how about a real connection how about a face to face connection and um, we're seeing that not only are these uh, virtual connections um, like important they're necessary and they they are connections they 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 are meaningful yeah. Right. And that's something, yeah, we've really had to sort of, sort of change gears on our messaging around social media use, you know, and it's interesting though, because our teens kind of call themselves out last night. One of our check-in questions at our teen happy hour was what's one thing you could change about this do and do what's one thing you could do over about this week. And three of our teens said, I really need to reduce my screen time. My screen time is an average right now of seven hours a day. And I know it's the only way I can connect, but I need to figure out other ways. And you know, so that's one thing that I've been already thinking about wanting to change. And it's interesting because, you know, it's, it's what I'm finding is our teens are now doing a lot more with their phones where they're just, they're just spending time together on FaceTime, right? So they're not necessarily Snapchatting or texting or being on social media. They're just watching a movie together or playing games together or mm-hmm. getting ready for school in the morning on FaceTime where they're just together, right? So they're finding creative ways to be together on online virtually. And it's really important. That's, you know, one of the most important things is that they need to stay socially connected during this time. And again, you know, helping them, encouraging them to stay socially connected, um, helping them find a cause or passion or purpose. Teens need to believe that they can make a difference. It's what Mm -hmm. gives them hope. And -hmm. doing this socially with friends and peers is the way that happens. Mm -hmm. The best way. 
What is one, before we move to the parent footprint moment question, that's a little foreshadowing. We're just about there. Like the fight, I was going to ask right. you, what do you recommend? And you just said what you recommend, you know, helping kids uh, connect, finding meaning and purpose. Right. I, I, I'm thinking about the parent out there who's has a teen who's isolated, is isolating, is isolated. Um, yeah. What, what do you say to that parent? You know, again, I think if they're not, if they're isolating and not connected, first of all, listening, finding out why they're isolating, right? And if they need mental health support, seeking help, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's important for all parents to learn the signs and symptoms of mental health distress and then to have those open conversations with their teens, ask them if they're feeling depressed or anxious. And if, if a parent's not able to do this, Maybe, you know, maybe their, their child has a, an aunt or an uncle or a teacher mm-hmm. or somebody else, right? It's, it's okay to reach out. And I know it's hard as a parent to reach out and say, my kid's really struggling because I have one of my sons has generalized anxiety disorder. So I'm, I had to get used to talking about it to other people and not feeling ashamed and not feeling like I was doing something wrong as a parent. So it was in talking to his teachers and forming this team of people that were in his life that I really learned how to help him, including therapy. Um, and both my boys have been to therapists for, at different times in their life for different reasons. But seeking help if they need it, right? If it's mm-hmm. if it's not just isolation, but it may be depression. Helping them find that that peer that social community, and it might not be. You know, we're as as we mentioned. I mean, we're in this world where the whole the globe has opened up, the world has opened up. So maybe it's not a local community. Maybe it's helping them connect to an environmental cause, a global cause that they can feel like they they are making a difference. They have meaning in their life. They have peers and people that that they can connect to. My older son, the one that struggles with anxiety, he never liked being a teen. His his close <laughs> his closest people were the old men on the golf course. So I, <laughs> you know, he was, he's a golfer and that's where he would go and, um, take care of his mental health. His self-care was going and golfing and he would show up at the golf course and all the, you know, 60 and 70 year old men, Levi, Hey Levi, how's it going? And that's where he felt connected. <laughs> so a peer community may not mean peer yes. in age, but it may be something that, you know, people that you connect with in some bigger way, right? It doesn't have to be teens that look like you, right? Yes. So re- <laughs> that's helping a, that's, them find that like-mind. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say, that's yeah. really important. Uh, first of all, Levi mm-hmm. is an old soul. No doubt he's an old yes. soul. <laughs> um, but that's really important because we're talking about a peer group and peer group right. does not necessarily have to be a... Cr- uh, chronolo- chronological age peer group. It's people who share your interests. It's people who you feel connected exactly. to. And so, yes, younger, older, like where does your child belong? So thank you for uh, pointing that out. That That's that's critical. Of course. Yes. Okay, it's time. Okay. Here we go. Parent footprint moment go. question. Tell us <sighs> about a time that you became aware of yourself as a person or as a parent. And that new awareness had a positive impact on your child. Okay, so you gave me a heads up that this is going to happen. So I've been thinking a lot about it and I'm going to be super vulnerable. There are several defining moments in my life. Um, I've been a parent for 23 years, so I've had a lot of practice in becoming aware aware of what I was doing wrong, of course, (laughs) and shifting gears. But I would say that the most profound moment as a parent was when I got sober. And that happened almost 11 years ago. I'm coming up on my 11 years sobriety birthday, which is in May. And at the time, 2010, I came to the realization that alcohol was too big a priority in my life. 
right? I was drinking too much. I, I mean, I live in Napa, right? <laughs> How could I not? Um, but I was addicted to it. And I came to terms with that. My boys were 10 and 12 at the time. And I knew in my heart that in order to be the best parent I could for them, especially as they entered their teen years, adolescence, I needed to be clear-headed. So I decided to get sober. And it wasn't easy. Getting sober is hard work. I had to do a lot of repairing and healing. And I was lucky enough to find a program that helped me and a therapist to help me through it. But honestly, it was in the process of getting sober that I became fully aware of myself and my inner child. There was a lot of work I had to do around healing my, my, myself, my teen, my inner teen. And I really came to the realization and awareness of how I wanted to show up as a parent to my children. And it was also during this time where I found my calling to work with teens. So mm. here I am. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Um, that is that that is a model of vulnerability right there, Jenny. So thank, thank you. you for sharing that to everyone listening. And um, you know, I, I what did you? This is like a simple question that I know has a complex answer. But how would you? You know, you talk about presence and awareness. How were you then able to show up differently? Um. Well, I didn't have alcohol to sort of numb my feelings and emotions. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I really got connected spiritually. And as I mentioned earlier, I love hiking. So I was, I, I do a lot of hiking. That's where I sort of have my connection with a bigger source. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I just started to become aware of my feelings. Um, and I'm very empathetic. Uh, and so I also in this awareness that I developed towards myself, I, I had a greater awareness of the world. I started doing service work. I started doing a lot more volunteer global, local and global work. And I became aware of um, myself and how I fit into this world. And the fact that everybody else has their own story and a different way of fitting in as well. So it was kind of a greater um, just heart to heart awareness with other humans on this earth, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for um, thank you for what you're doing. I mean, your your uh, your passion and mission is is palpable. Um, it's contagious. Uh, for those of you just uh, listening, that when I did have the opportunity to do these um, trainings, which um, Jenny was part of uh, organizing, just seeing your face on the screen. Um, you, you, it is true what is written about you. You just have such a presence of just openness and acceptance and warmth. So I wanted to, I wanted to just let you know that being on the other side of the screen and talking to lots of heads on a screen, which is very different <laughs> than being in the room. Um, right. you, you, you do, you radiate, uh, that warmth. It's, it's, oh, it's thank you, Dr. Dan. Yeah. That, that means a lot to me. Thank you. Jenny, tell everyone where they can learn more about Mentis and all of these wonderful programs and resources. Okay, so we are actually in the process of redesigning the Mentis website to include all our prevention programs. And of course, as a retired graphic designer, that's my task. <laughs> so men the Mentis website is mentisnapa.org. And just stay, stay in touch and keep watching. Over the next month, we'll be 
redesigning and including our new messaging that is, you know, all about prevention, community wellness, mental health support. But also you can look at our Facebook page, uh, Mentis Napa, at Mentis Napa, and our Instagram page, at Mentis Napa. The best way to see what we're doing on a day-to-day basis with our teens is on our Teens Connect Instagram page, and that handle is at Teens Connect Napa. And um, that is pretty much it. Facebook, Instagram, website. There you go. Like what else do you need these days? What else do you need? You can sign up for our newsletter as well and get monthly newsletters um, about the prevention work we're doing in the community, as well as overall what we're doing as as an organization with Mentis. That's what else you need, people. A newsletter, a monthly newsletter. Yes. Stay stay informed. (laughs) Jenny, thanks again. Uh, Thanks for all you're doing and uh, look forward to hearing more as uh, the programs and services continue to develop and unfold. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me, Dr. Dan. Thank you all for joining us for this important show about how to help teens connect and the importance of helping them find meaning and purpose and community. We all need this to all of you adults who are being human beings and parents and loved ones and friends. You need this too. Um, It is just one of our human our human needs. um, And it is challenging during this time and so, so, so important. How this relates to our kids is we want to try to be the person we want our child to become, to model that kind of life and engagement for them. Tell everyone about the show, share this information, join us on our mission to make the world a more loving and compassionate place. One parent and one child at a time. As always, I will leave you with the guiding question, what footprint do you want to leave?